And today we launch a new series, as you may have guessed, all about the Spirit of God. For four weeks, we're going to look at who the Holy Spirit is. This, uh, this, next week, this week and next week, we'll begin the series. Um, three, I guess it's two weeks from now, um, we're going to have a guest speaker come in. Uh, one of my good friends, Wayne Giroux, he's, uh, he's our, I guess he's kind of new. It's been a year now. He's now our uh, youth uh, ministry director for Western Ontario. Um, good, good friend of mine. He's going to come in and speak. I'm going to be away that week. Um, and, and we could have Pastor Justin speak, but there's a very good chance Pastor Justin won't be here either. Uh, actually, there's a chance Pastor Justin won't be here for the end when we uh, do worship, actually. Any, any second now, any second now, we, he could be having, they could be having their baby. And so, um, so the, the, when then we'll conclude the series uh, for the next two weeks after that. So we'll kind of a little bit of a split in between. Now, I got to admit, trying to explain the, the Holy Spirit for a pastor is a little bit of an intimidating subject. Because the Spirit can be this confusing and complex topic. And so I'm going to try and my best to explain and simplify something that's actually not very simple at all. Do you remember a time before cell phones? Most of you do. Most of you do. For those of you who are younger, like, what? We didn't always have cell phones? The cell phones are actually not that old. I, I didn't grow up with a cell phone. I, I started with... I start with one of these, the classic rotary phone. Um, I, I, I was watching a show one time where they had this, where they had this uh, challenge where they brought up a millennial, someone who was like about 19 years old, and they, and they had the, um, the, the challenge was they had to find a place on a map, then they had, to, they had to find the phone number in the yellow pages, which they were like, what is this? And then they had to dial the number on a rotary phone, which they had no idea. So if you don't know, if you don't know what this is, those of you that do, is you, you put your finger in and you spin it until you get to that little silver mark. And so like the one is the shortest one, then two, then three. If you had a friend that had like zeros and nines, you're like exhausted. You're just like, I'm just going to go to their house. It'll be a little bit easier than, than doing all that, that dialing. And so that's, this is what we started. This is what I started with. And then it went from here. This is when, this is when we hit the big time. We hit the big time. We had the push button phone, right? It was now I was like speed dialing. I could beat records. I could dial your number so fast. I didn't care if you had zeros and nines in your number. It was, it was like now we were living the high life. But I thought that was good. But the problem with this was still this. This phone in my house was in the kitchen. And there was no privacy, right? Like you're in the kitchen. You can go as far as the cord goes, which is like about this long. And, and all of a sudden, like, you're, you're a teenager, and you're, like, talking to a girl on the phone, and dad's there making a sandwich in the kitchen, and you're, like, you're trying to, like, you're trying to be all smooth while, while he's standing there. And then, this was, like, a game changer. The long, long corded phone, right? Because now, the phone was still in the kitchen, but now, like, I've got freedom. Like, I'm way over here, and I'm making pizza pockets in the microwave while I'm talking. And this thing, I like, I mean, the danger was that you had the phone all the way over here, and you clothesline your little sister when she came running through the kitchen. But this was, like, this was game changer. And then, I, like, I thought, this is it. This is, this is, we've arrived. This is as far as it's going. And then we had the cordless phone. I'm like, what? The cordless phone? 
I'm like, now I can take this phone and I can walk to different rooms. And I didn't need to walk to different rooms, but I wanted to because I wanted to, it was just weird that I had the phone in the basement all of a sudden, or I had the phone. And then he started to discover, I think every person who had one of these when they first got it, you started to discover, wait, I'm outside and I'm on the phone. And I think we all, we all figured out what the extent or the range of this phone was because we were like, I'm out on the front grass and I'm talking to somebody. Well, this is, this is like, this is something else. And all of a sudden you lose the person because you, you hit that boundary as far as it would go. But then, of course, came the cell phone. The cell phone. And the cell phone was, now I can take this out of my pocket and I can call from pretty much anywhere in the world, except for no frills in Mount Forest. I don't know what's up with that. <laughs> no signal ever. But you can call from anywhere in the world. Now, can you imagine if I didn't know there was such a thing? Can you imagine I still had one of those old phones in my, in my, in my, in my house, or that was my, the only way to call, or if I was out and there was an emergency, and I'm running around with a pocket full of quarters trying to find a payphone. Like, that's hard. Actually, I just noticed that there's a couple down here on the corner, down by the lights, by the gas station. And Foodland's got one? Wow. Wow. This is, this is 2020. Why do we still have to? Anyway, imagine, imagine I didn't know there was this, this thing. And you might suggest to me, hey, you might want to look into like a Samsung or an iPhone or something else. But I think that there's actually people, when it comes to their relationship with God, that they don't realize there's something better out there. And they're walking around with this limited view of who God is, and his outlook on him is outdated. Like, what you would want to tell the person who's, who's got this corded phone is, there's something more. It's better than just praying. It's better than just praying when, when things go wrong. It's better than just having an insurance policy so that I can get into heaven. It's better than just doing more good deeds than bad deeds. There's something that's available to you, but it's only available to you through the person of the Holy Spirit. So who's the Holy Spirit? Well, while we worship one God and only one God alone, our God is made up of three in one. We call that the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit which is kind of difficult because we really don't have anything like that. Now, I've heard analogies, different analogies over the years. Someone said, you know, like a boiled egg is like God. The outer shell is the Holy Spirit. And the, and the, and the white is like Jesus. And the yoke is like uh, God the Father. And it's, all, it's three distinct things in one thing. And I, while I, I love the attempt, I don't know if it truly captures who God is. Actually, I know it doesn't. Now, to understand a little bit about the third person of the Trinity, I want to look at what the Apostle Paul says. Now, Paul was a, was a hard and fast Jew who hated Christians. He hated this knockoff Jewish religion. And so he was, he was intent in, in killing off all the Christians until he has a supernatural experience with Jesus one day, and his life turns around from being Christian killer to one of the greatest preachers outside of Jesus and the greatest, one of the greatest at spreading the gospel news around the world. So in 1 Corinthians 
verse 2, or chapter 2, verse 1. If you have your Bibles with you, you, could, you can turn there. We're going to sit in, in 1 Corinthians for a bit. Uh, if not, it's going to be up here on the screen. You should be able to see it. Um, if you can't, there's some chairs up here at the front. I joke. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. First thing I want you to know is this. If you, if you are taking notes, well, note takers go to heaven first. So if you're taking notes, first thing is this. The Holy Spirit is the engine, not a part See, Paul's trying to make it clear. Paul, one of the greatest preachers, is trying to make it clear that the only hope he had for ministry was the power of the Holy Spirit that was working inside him. And that, that Holy Spirit power that was working inside him would come out of him. And as a pastor, I, I really enjoy the research, the development of a message. But tougher than putting a message together is actually trying to figure out what message to preach. I mean, I, I'm sure I could grab my Bible and I could pick something out and each week and somebody will get something from it. But I've discovered over time that when it comes to preaching a message or choosing a message, the most important thing I can do is actually my dependency on the Holy Spirit. Because the more I'm in tune with him, the less I need to worry about me. See, I used to think the Holy Spirit was part of the message I preach. You know, you come in, I'm going to need you, Holy Spirit, when I open in prayer. I'm going to need you, Holy Spirit, when I come up at the end and we open up the altars. And, and, or I have that moment, God, where the Holy Spirit, where you're kind of leading, we're going to take the, 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 the sermon in a different direction. But, and I thought at the time, the rest of the time in between was kind of, I prepared for this, I'll teach and talk and then the Holy Spirit will kind of use you. But I began to understand that the, the Spirit of God's not an accessory that I need to preach. It's actually the engine. And it was freeing for me to understand this, that the effectiveness of God's Word had less to do with my wisdom. Because if I'm honest, sometimes I have to work harder than I care to admit to get a grasp on what I'm going to teach that weekend. And I have to work hard. So it has, it's, it's a relief to me that it has less to do with my wisdom and my ability and more to do with my need for the Spirit of God within me. The Holy Spirit is so much more than when you get goosebumps during a song or, or, or during prayer. Because let's face it, I mean, there's been some songs that you listen to that when you hear them, they bring back memories and you kind of get goosebumps when you hear them all over again. They have nothing to do with God. Because the Holy Spirit isn't a feeling. He's more than that. And sometimes we talk about the Holy Spirit like he makes a cameo appearance during our services. Like, wow, did you hear the Spirit? Did you feel the Spirit when she hit that note? Did you, did you feel the Spirit when we sung that song? Did you feel the Spirit in that moment? He's more than that. Now, there's no doubt that the Holy Spirit is, is, 
is speaking to you through some of those moments. But he's so much more than that. The Spirit of God isn't an add-on that only works one day a week on Sundays. The Spirit of God is like the air that you breathe. The Spirit of God is the strength of my source, the strength of my life. And, and I sometimes it, I struggled before, how do I describe the Holy Spirit? But I learned this. It's much more important that I know how to obey the Holy Spirit than to know how to describe the Holy Spirit. But the main purpose of the Spirit is the work in you all week long. See, you don't just need the Spirit to show up when you're singing. You don't need, just need the Spirit on Sundays when you're in church. I don't just need the Holy Spirit when I'm preparing or preaching. I need the Holy Spirit on Monday. I need the Holy Spirit when I leave here on a Sunday when sometimes the devil's trying to knock me down and telling me that your ability is not good enough and I need the Holy Spirit to drown out that noise, drown out that voice, and remind me what's truly important, that I'm his. You need the Holy Spirit when you roll into work on Monday and like everybody else, you're grumbling what a long week it's going to be. You need the Holy Spirit to remind you how grateful you should be to have that job. You need the Holy Spirit when you're sitting in a coffee shop and people are gossiping and decide what's going to come off of your lips or what am I going to shut down. You need the Holy Spirit when you're, you're in a classroom and somebody has the answers to the test and they're passing it around. And they're asking you if you want to see the answers. You need the Holy Spirit when I, you decide, am I going to quit that job? Buy that house? Am I going to answer back that text from that guy that I know is not good for me? See, the Holy Spirit isn't a feeling. It isn't a moment. He's the air I breathe. See, I rely on the Holy Spirit from one breath to the next to lead my life. And without, without the Holy Spirit, I'm actually not that smart. I'm actually not that courageous. Without the Holy Spirit, I'm a shy kid from Oshawa that hates the spotlight and has to get up here and present something every week. But with the Holy Spirit, I get the honor and the privilege to present God's Word every week. And I pray that when it's done, it's done in a way that honors the God that gave it to me. Number two, the Holy Spirit brings humility, not arrogance. You see, the main role of the Holy Spirit is to point people to Jesus to change their eternities. See, back when I was 17 years old, I was pretty new to faith. And I started attending a Pentecostal youth group, and they had camp meetings. How many people remember camp meetings when you were a youth? So, you know, you knew it was great because you were going off site, you got in a bus, you were getting on the bus, you were going to hear good speaking, great worship. And you might actually find a boyfriend or girlfriend while you're there. Now, I was already dating Jen, so I was strictly there for the spiritual application at that point. But on that night, I was listening to the speaker, and he was talking about the power of the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts. Then all of a sudden, at the end of the message, there was an altar call. I didn't go, because this was all new to me, and this was kind of weird. And I was still kind of intimidated, so I didn't go to the front. And then the pastor started speaking a language that I had never heard before. And before long, there was a group of people speaking in a language, but it was different. 
What I wanted to do in that moment is I wanted to get up and run out the back door. Like, what am I a part of right now? These people are full-blown crazy. That's what I thought. But I was fortunate because my cousin, who was a youth leader, who is now a pastor in Winnipeg at a a church today, a lead pastor, he was sitting with me, and he was able to walk me and talk me and explain to me what was happening. And he explained to me that God will give the gift of speaking in tongues, speaking another language to empower their spiritual growth and encourage the church, encourage the group of believers, as he did with the early church. And I was like, I don't know, man. I mean, I trust you and all, but I still got one foot pointed at that back door right now. But over time, I saw this gift in other people's lives. And sometimes this gift would look like someone speaking in a different language or praying in a different language. And sometimes there would, I, I would hear it in, interpreted in a, in a way I could understand in English. And, and this message, it was always this message of encouragement. I still didn't know what to think. But if God was really using these people, there was really something comforting about the message. Then later that year, we went on a youth retreat. And the guest speaker encouraged at the end of the sessions to seek after this gift, to seek speaking in tongues. And I thought, well, I don't know. If this is something God wants for me, why not? So I went to the front that night, and I prayed that God would give me the gift of speaking spiritual tongues. God, I'm willing. And I remember some of my friends started to speak in tongues. It seemed genuine, some of it was like, I don't know about that one. It seemed genuine for many of the members in our group. But for me, nothing. And I went back to my room. Everybody went back, went to a bonfire. And I went back to my room by myself. And I climbed up in my bunk. And I cried. Because I felt rejected by God. I felt like I didn't measure up. I felt like I had tried so hard and God was saying, go back and read more, go back and become more spiritual and then try again. But I was wrong. My youth pastor actually came and found me and sat with me. And he, and he kind of walked me through and he said, listen, God's timing is different for every person. But here's the problem with some of it. Some of my friends were wearing it like a badge. Like, they were going around, I spoke in tongues, did you speak in tongues? Did you speak in tongues? Did you speak in tongues? And I was like, there's something wrong here. Because the Holy Spirit produces humility, not arrogance. And so, I, so many of it was genuine, but, it, but the Holy Spirit doesn't create arrogance. Number three, the Holy Spirit brings unity, not division. So I looked the, as I looked into the topic more, I began to understand what the gift was about. The Holy Spirit is always about bringing unity, not division. Because that night kind of hurt. And it made me feel further from God, not closer to God. But not because of God. Not because of anything that happened with God. It was because of the division that its people created. And a couple years later, I did begin to experience praying in tongues. And it was God's timing. But the Holy Spirit was never given to us as a gift to divide us. 
And you might be here this morning, and I know there's a lot of different viewpoints. You might have a differing view on the way that the Holy Spirit is seen in the lives of others. My advice to you would be this. Don't limit God. Be open to whatever God wants for you. But understand this. The role of the Holy Spirit is to give you power as a comforter, his wisdom, and encouragement, but not division amongst his people. See, when Jesus prayed in John chapter 14 through 17, he promised that he would send his spirit, but the focus of that prayer was that his father would make us one. It's a shame when we use the spirit to divide because that was never the intent. Number four, the Holy Spirit is unpredictable, not weird. We're the opposite. We're predictable. Our sin is predictable. We keep going back to it. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 6 says this. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this, of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. See, one of the things I want you to take away from this series is that it's not weird to hear from God. It's actually weird not to hear from God. The Holy Spirit should be speaking to you. Now, sometimes we write it off. We say, well, that was my conscience. Or, or, or I had that, this, this inner voice that was kind of leading me. And we downplay the actual power of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit should be speaking to you, which kind of feels weird because we all know that person that says that they hear from God, but they say some weird things. I, I remember there was one time, um, it, was, it was, I don't know, five, six years ago. I was, uh, it was near the end of the year, as usual. I hadn't taken my holidays, so I had to take a week off. And I was at, uh, so I decided on the Sunday, I went over to one of my friends' house to watch football. And our lead pastor was out of town that week, and our assistant pastor was kind of in charge, and I was off. And I get a phone call. His name was Mike. I get a phone call. Mike calls me up, and he's like, hey, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm just watching football. He's like, you enjoying your day off? I said, yep. He goes, I need your help. Okay, what's up? He said, well, I got this guy showed up at my door. And he says God's speaking to him. And he doesn't know what to do, but he does know that God's leading him to a conservation area, and he needs some pastors to come and pray for him in the middle of this conservation area. And I don't want to go by myself. And I don't blame you. And I'm like, it's my day off, but I'm not going to send Mike into the middle of a conservation area, never to be heard from again. So I get in the car, and I, I go and pick him up. I call Jen on the way. I say, hey, just so you know, headed to a conservation area with a guy who God's speaking to and needs me and Mike to come. If you don't hear from us in an hour, send the police. So I get into the car, and I, I, I'm like, what have you got us into? And he says, I don't know. This guy, he just he seemed frazzled. He needed to speak to. He wanted us to pray with him right away, and he told me to meet him at the conservation area, and I just didn't want to let him go, but... I'm not sure what we're walking into. And I said, we're going to die tonight, aren't we, Mike? 
And he said, well, I don't know. He said, I looked at him and I look at you and you can take them. <laughs> this sounds bad. So I pull into this conservation area and it's dark and there's a truck there. And we pull in and the guy was really friendly actually. And he's like, hey guys, thanks so much for coming. Uh, you know what? God's been speaking to me some things, and I just really need to get them off my chest. But I've also called my dad and his church to bring their board members to come, so I'm, I'll be back in a minute. So he pulls out, and it's just me and Mike sitting in a parking lot in the dark. It was weird, but it got weirder. Because all of a sudden, the police pulled into the parking lot. It was just me and Mike sitting in a car by ourselves. <laughs> Comes over and he knocks on the window. How's it going tonight, boys? How do I explain this? How, how do I? Um, we're just a couple pastors. There's a guy. I know he's not here right now, but he wanted us to pray for him in this wooded area. And to my relief, he says, I know who you're talking about. His sister was really worried about him. He kind of gone off the rails and she said he would be here. I was like, oh, I'm so thankful that you, I don't have to explain this all to you. And so he came back, and um, he, started, he started having a conversation, and the cop's talking to him, and he's having a conversation, and he's saying things like that, um, he, that, the, that he's, he has to save the world, and it's a lot, a lot on his plate to have to save the world by himself, that he's, he's got this plan, and he had a bag of papers of that his, his plan was that he had to use the energy from cows to fuel the world and that Jesus was mad at him because he didn't, now he's turned 34 and Jesus died when he's 33 and Jesus, he's now outliving Jesus. And, and it, didn't take, you know, it didn't take a lot of spiritual discernment to realize this doesn't line up with anything that's in the Bible, that there's, that there's a little bit of mental, mental illness here. And, and, and sometimes, sometimes you need that discernment to understand if the Holy Spirit is actually speaking or not. See, sometimes it will, but it was, sometimes it will be weird because I had another situation. And this was, it was, it felt weird to me, but it wasn't weird. I, I was working as a copy editor, um, and it was a, long story short, it was a big, big company that was losing contracts on the, seemed on the daily basis, and they were laying off people. When I started at the company, we had 125 people, and well, eventually it was down to about 30 people. And as you can imagine, people are getting laid off by the day. Every time someone got called into the office, it was another layoff. And people were antsy. They were on edge, emotional. People just were off. And I remember sitting in the, in the break room. And I had already, it was, this was so strange, but God had already dealt with my spirit. Even though Mason was born a week before and I knew I was about to lose my job, God had already said, I've got your back. And I'm sitting in the break room that day, and I look across, and there's an older lady. Well, she was older than me. Now she doesn't seem so old. But she's sitting across from me, and she's kind of distraught. You can just see it in her eyes. She's, and she was a really, really nice lady. Her name was Adele. And I got this sense, and I, I wish I could say that the, that the Holy Spirit speaks to me on this, on this way continually, or I wish that I could say I obey the Holy Spirit on this, in this way continually, because I mess this up a lot, way more than I'd like to admit. But the, I, I felt this urging inside me saying, go over to her 
and let her know I see her and that everything's going to be fine. I'm like, I, I can't do that. And I just, I can't, I can't, it would not, it would not let go. And I don't feel this all the time, but for once, I obeyed. And I walked across, and I was like, I don't know how this is all going to go down. And I sat down beside her, and I said, Adele, this is going to sound weird. But I believe God wants you to know that you're not forgotten, that he sees you, that everything's going to be okay. And she looked at me. I didn't know what her faith background was, anything like that. She looked at me. Her eyes welled up. She started crying right there in the break room. I'm like, oh, no, what have I done? And she looks at me, and she said, I got on my knees this morning, and I prayed God would give me some sort of reassurance that this is all going to be okay. And she's like, thank you for, for, for giving me that. And I was like, I looked at this, and I thought, God loved this woman so much that he, he gave me these words to say, and I didn't even want to say them to encourage her. And there's been times where God's given me a message for people that I have chickened out. And I don't know what that, uh, what that would have meant to that person. And it's not because, he didn't give me the words because I'm a pastor, because like, I have some sort of special connection with God. I was a copy editor that chickened out all the other times he wanted to use me. But what if God's wanting to use you to affect the people around you? What if God's trying to communicate through his spirit to you? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, continuing on, says this, However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. Goes on to say, Verse 11, for who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. What, have, what we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given to us. See, God has given you opportunities, relationships, resources, and the problem isn't that you don't have the ability. The problem is not that you don't have the resources. The problem is this. See, when I came up here this morning, I grabbed my phone partway through worship. I remembered, I don't want this thing to go off. I don't want that embarrassing, all of my phone's ringing while I'm preaching. I don't even want it vibrating in my pocket because all of a sudden I lose my train of thought. So I put it into airplane mode. Airplane mode basically shuts off any communication in or out that can come in. Nobody can reach me at that point. And my thought is this. Some of you have switched your faith into airplane mode. God's Spirit is trying to guide you, wants to communicate with you, but you've switched off your sensitivity to what God's Spirit wants to say to you. What if God has some messages he's trying to get through, but you've blocked it out? What if God speaks the same way that he, now that he did in the book of Acts? What if he still uses the lives of ordinary people? Because I believe he does. Last one, number five. 
The Holy Spirit is a person, not a force. The Holy Spirit's not an it. It's a he. It's a person, which is great news because it means God wants a personal relationship with you. Everything changes when you realize the Holy Spirit isn't just up there somewhere, just waiting to come down and bless you. But the Holy Spirit is in you. It's inside you. He lives inside you. That's powerful to know the Spirit of God is inside you. I mean, as a young Christian, I heard, I heard that Jesus was in my heart. I was like, I don't know what that means. I pictured like little Jesus in my heart, like living in there. And I'm like, I don't understand what that means. But God deposited himself inside me. And he wants to fill all of me. I'm going to ask the worship team to join me as we close. Verse 13 says this. This is what we speak. Not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, But such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. This is great. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? For we have the mind of Christ.